All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read one verse right now at the start. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Hey, maybe I put the wrong verse on this handout. Is that right? Did I mean to write 2 Corinthians chapter 4? That could be. What? 4-2. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the one I'm looking for. 4-2. I typed this. I said it wrong. I think I typed it right. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says this. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. All right. Let's pray before we talk about today's message. Um, dear God, uh, thank you for gathering us in your house here to hear your word. Um, even if we're apart and at home right now, we know this congregation has a heart for you and your word and your message. And we want to honor you. We want to set aside this time here to hear your word and make it in our lives. And Lord, we want to keep on doing that no matter what the situation is, you know, virus or not, home or not, that your word is made manifest in our lives. And pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last time I spoke, we took a break from the series, the Managing Life series, to talk about uh, the coronavirus and, it, and its effect on our lives, right? But we want to get back to it now, seeing as I already worked on it and started it up way before, right? And because I think it still has a lot of meaning for us today. Previously, we talked about how life gets so complicated, right? And we're struggling, figuring out how to do all our responsibilities, right? How do we manage everything? There doesn't seem to be enough time. There doesn't seem to be enough resources. And what we talked about as a general overview is that managing life is an exercise in faith. Faith, right? When we have faith, that's a starting point for everything. That gives us the right mindset. That leads us to the right values in our lives, the right choices in our lives. It helps us set the right priorities in our lives. And that's where we left off in part two, when we were talking about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha of Bethany, as Nathan was mentioning this morning, right? In Bethany, right? And Jesus made clear what should have been Martha's priority. Her priority should have been listening to him, hearing God's literal words coming out of his mouth. Likewise for us, our priority is always going to be God's word first. God's word first above everything. Are you saying God's word is more important than praying and getting people saved and all that? Here's the answer. The answer is yes, but here's the trick too. The trick is that if you listen to God's word, what will you do automatically? You will pray, you will get people saved, you'll go to church, everything falls from that, right? So if our priority is God's word, we will follow God's word and we know we will walk righteously. And that ought to be our guide for managing life. That ought to be how we manage life, according to that priority. I touched on this last time when we finished up and didn't have a whole lot of time to, to finish it up in the uh, two months ago message. And that is this principle as we continue on forward in managing life. It's to manage life as a steward, just like we read in the verse, right? As a steward of God. So what is a steward? God calls us all stewards. What does that mean? A steward is a manager, 
a manager. And we know what managers are in real life, right? You guys go to the store. There's a manager in the store, right? These people, kind of in the middle of things, right? Like they supervise employees, make sure the, the store is running right, uh, stocks, the, the, everything's being stocked up, that you can buy things, customer service complaints, right? Making sure the store is profitable, making the store doesn't have problems, right? And of course, that manager answers to some greater boss, right? Somewhere up there, there's an owner, right? You answer the owner and make sure the owner is happy, right? That's how this manager's judge. Is the owner happy with how your store is being managed, right? Well, for us Christians, it's kind of the same. Our boss is God. God's our boss. We answer to our boss, God, right? And we got to make sure all the stuff we're doing is right, that our life is being managed correctly, that we're acting correctly. What are, the principles, what are the things that you think of when you think of a good manager, right? If you go into the store and say, aha, this guy's a good manager, what would we say? We would say stuff like this. Oh, this guy's responsible. He's punctual or whatever. Oh, he manages the staff well. Doesn't waste stuff, right? He's efficient, right? Uh, she makes the customers happy, right? She makes the boss happy with the way the store is being run. Folks, a lot of those same things apply to how God would judge us as managers of what he's given us. You see, the thing is like that goes like this. It goes like this. Being a faithful steward for a Christian is all about recognizing that everything we have in life is a holy trust from our Lord. It's understanding that what we're managing is all of God's gifts to us. And making sure that we are that responsible, efficient, happy manager that, uh, that you and the customer service industry would want and that God, our real boss, would want. All right, let's talk some more specifics, right? What are the principles, the principles we need to know if we're going to be a good Christian steward, a good Christian steward? What are the principles we got to have? Which is, you know, not exactly the same as being like a, a store manager or some of that, but still similar, similar. The first point, number one, ownership, ownership. We have to understand and realize that God owns everything. God owns everything. It says in Psalms 24, 1, this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Pretty clear. Everything is God's. Our money that's really God's money. Our house is really God's house. Even our body, this is God's body. Our time, it's God's time, right? We think and we say stuff like, oh, you know, this is my house, right? I bought it, it's my money. Actually, it's not your house, you didn't buy it. You say, these are my possessions, my house is filled with all my stuff. It's my sofa, my TV, my computer, my book. No, all that stuff comes to us only by the grace of God. For all the possessions we have, for all the things we have, we know God can take it away in an instant. For all we know, five seconds from now, there could be a huge earthquake and my house could be reduced to rubble, just like that. Everything we have is God's, given to us by the grace of God, and entrusted to us to caretake by God. Most people don't understand that, right? 
They think, oh, I can do what I want. It's my life. Folks, as a good steward, we have to think in terms of how do we manage the resources that belong to someone else, right? If someone said to you, hey, you know, like your boss says, oh, here's my car. Can you go to the store and pick me up something and come back, right? You'd be a pretty lousy employee, pretty good, pretty lousy steward, right? If you took the car and you drove it into a tree, right? And say, here you go, boss. Here's your car back. It'd be terrible, right? You'd say, on the, to the contrary, it's like, oh boy, I'm driving my boss's car. I better be extra careful, right? If I have even one scratch on that car, would that look bad on me? Would it make me look like a terrible steward? The answer, of course, is yes, right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to get in trouble and be like, oh, it's someone else's thing. You've got to take care of it, right? Your boss says, here's, you know, $500. Keep it safe for me until I come back next week, right? And give that to me when I come back. If he comes back and says, oh, where's my 500 bucks? Oh, I, I spent it on, you know, video games and alcohol or whatever, right? That's, you have not been a good steward of his money, right? So the idea is that we have to act as if God owns everything and treat all our resources as such. That's the first point, the first point. The second point is that we need to understand our responsibility, our responsibility. We read that verse in 1 Corinthians 4.2 at the outset about how it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Are we a faithful steward, right? Not just a now and then steward, but an all the time steward. It's basically a full-time job, right? Because we're always managing God's stuff. If we accept the fact that God's stuff is all of our stuff and all of our lives, we got to be on all the time, right? There's no break, really, from saying, oh, do we have to think about how do I manage my uh, household, my time, my body, you know? It sounds kind of like uh, crazy, right? Because a lot of us, we have our full-time job at work, or you have your full-time thing at school if you're a student, right? And you have your full-time thing that you deal with your family, right? And take care of your family and things like that. And yes, we're throwing another thing on top of this, right? That we have to care about and think about God. But luckily, as we'll see later in the message, you know, God's been been gracious and intertwined some of these things to make it a little bit easier, right? But we'll see. We'll get to that point. Finally, there's also uh, two other things we're talking about, about being a steward and the principles of stewardship. And the third thing is responsibility, responsibility. Not responsibility, accountability, accountability. Very similar, responsibility and accountability. Accountability. The idea that God will judge us according to how we've managed things. It says in Romans chapter 14, verse 12, this. So then everyone, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And of course, those of you guys who know this section of Romans know this. This is talking about the judgment seat of Christ, right? We will sit at the judgment seat of Christ one day. Right? And we will hear from God about how we've done, right? Just like, again, if you think about the manager at the store, what happens after every year, right? Oh, they get a performance review, right? In fact, you guys are all that have jobs and stuff. You guys know you guys get performance reviews too. I get performance reviews at my job, right? What happens once a year? You know, your boss sits down with you and tells you, hey, you know, you're doing a good job, right? Keep it up. Or maybe they sit down with you and say, hey, guess what? doing a bad job. You need to improve this, this, and this, right? I don't like what you're doing, right? 
And you know, in my life, I've had both. I've had really great performance reviews, right? And they say, oh, this is great. We want to give you a raise. You know, excellent work, Norman. And I've had the bad reviews, too, where they say, Norman, you know, your work is not up to, sp- not up to par. You need to do better. You've got to improve. You know, you're, we're putting you on, you know, on monitoring or whatever. You know, given between the two, I can tell you from my opinion, I much prefer the first, right? The good review, right? I'm sure you guys would say the same thing thing at your work, right? That you would much rather have the good performance review where your boss is saying glowing things about you and offering you raises and all this stuff like that than the bad one. Likewise, do you want to show up before God in the judgment seat of Christ and have him say, you know, Norman, you wasted your life. You squandered my resources. You are a bad steward. I regret giving you all these gifts. How sad would I be if God said that to me? That would be devastating. That would be devastating. We want to hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Shouldn't that be our priority? Our priority should be that when we stand before the judgment feet of Christ, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want to be the deadbeat Christian. We want the good performance review Christian. And how do we do that? Fourth point about Christian stewardship. It starts with submission. Submission. We're supposed to submit to God's authority. Romans 12:1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So what is our service to him? Our service is to present our body, our whole being to him. Our life to him. And we talked a lot about this last time when we were talking about priorities and how priorities fit in with God. And uh, we don't need to rehash that. You can listen to the previous message if you guys uh, uh, forgotten all that. The short of it is to say that it's really important that we remember God first and put that in our heart first and have things flow from that. So we've talked a lot about the general idea Let's get down to some specifics to give you an example of what we're talking about. We're talking about being a steward for God and how that helps us manage our life and make the right decisions and guide us in the right way. Let's talk about one resource that God gives us, one thing that God gives us, and that is our time. Our time. How are we stewards of God's time? You see, I talk about time first because I consider time to be the rarest resource the most special thing that God gives us. You see, time's finite. There's only a certain amount of it. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone forever. There's no way you can get more, right? You can waste money. I can say, oh, I have a $100 bill. I'm going to light it on fire. Guess what? I can go to work, and then I'll earn another $100, and I got it back, right? You could have like uh, a fancy uh, jewelry, right? And say, I'm gonna flush it down the toilet. Guess what, you earn money, you can go buy another necklace and you got it back. But if you say, I'm gonna waste one hour of my life, you'll never get that hour back. You never will, right? I'm gonna waste a year of my life piddling around, sitting around doing nothing. Guess what? That year of your life is gone forever. Try to do anything. It's an impossibility that you get that back. An impossibility. So that's why 
We have to manage our time. It's finite. It comes from God. Only God knows our time. We don't even know how our time is. And especially in light of current events, it's made us all reconsider what is our time. Those over 100,000 people who have already died of the coronavirus, I bet a month ago or two months ago, they didn't know what is my time. Folks, people have died in this thing of all ages. There's people, you know, old, and maybe they would have died anyways, right? And some people said, but there's also people young, young, under 25 years old even, right? All of us think, oh, I'm young, I've got time. We don't know. Tomorrow, I could go home, I get this virus, and you'll see me in the ICU, and I'll be gone in a week, right? Or even without virus, who knows? You could be walking down the street and a car hits you. The only person that knows is God. God has given us already, from the very beginning, a finite time. He knows for each person. He knows, oh, Melvin, you've got, I don't know, 80 years. Norman, you've got 90 years or whatever. Willie, you've got 52 years or whatever. Who knows, right? Only God knows. We're going we're gonna to find out when that happens. But because we don't know, should that inform how we live our lives? Should we treat this time as precious? Should we treat every day as precious? Should we be focused on managing our time the way God wants? You see, God wants us to manage our time with him in mind. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, it says this, See that you work circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If you want to be wise, if you want to follow what God says and not foolish, to redeem the time. We need to use our time wisely. Again, it's a scarce resource. We never have the time to do everything we all want to do, right? Every person has a list of things they want to do. And the usual constraint on achieving that list is what? Is time, right? Everyone has their goal. Oh, one day I want to learn how to play the piano. One day I want to write a novel. One day I want to do this fabulous project at uh, work or whatever, or paint this painting or do whatever. And those people never do it. Why? They say, I don't have time. I wish I had time. It takes a long time to learn how to play the piano or write a novel or do whatever. And likewise, sometimes people have that same attitude to what God wants, right? There's a lot of people that say this. Oh, I, I would love to read the whole Bible. I hear Melvin talk about it all the time. Read the Bible in a year. To, that's my goal. One day I'll do that. Oh, I hear about people saying they pray so much more. Yes, certainly. That's what I want to do. I want to serve more, just like these people are talking about. I want to share the gospel with this other person. I've been meaning to do that. And what's the excuse when it doesn't happen? Oh, I just didn't have the time. That's what people say. I don't have time. I say that, right? You know, there's a lot of projects in my house I wish I would do, right? Like I've been saying for the 10 years I own my house, right? One day I'm going to clean up my backyard, right? What does my backyard look like 10 years later? It's still overridden with weeds, right? There's nothing in there, right? I've not grown any flowers or anything like that. Do we want to let our Christian life be the same? Overgrown with weeds and a mess? I'll get to it one day. Folks, we don't know if we have that one day. We don't know if that one day ends tomorrow. 
Are we wasting our opportunity when we have the chance to say, I can read my Bible now. I can pray now. I can serve now. Our priority should, should be as a steward. We should be thinking, hey, I'm on the clock. I'm on the clock. I need to work for God now. Now, to be fair, doesn't mean like 24-7, all we do is God, right? And how do we know this? Well, we know this even from Jesus, right? We know that Jesus in his life, he did not spend 24-7 his whole life, all I do is preach God and serve God or whatever. In fact, we know that God, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was uh, 30-something years old, right? What was he doing for the first 30-something years of his life? He was doing stuff like what everyone else did, right? He had to work. He had to learn stuff, right? He had to provide for his family, right? He had to hang out with his friends, right? He had to do all this other stuff. God's not saying that we need to be some kind of monk and live alone and all I do is pray 24 hours a day and read the Bible 24 hour days and that's how I'm a good steward. I'm using all my time for you, God. No, 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 no. He gave us free will. He says you can do stuff that you choose to do. But, 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 but. He wants us to remember him and have him be our guide as we set our priorities in life. It's just like being a worker, too. We've been talking about this example of being a worker. You know, when you go to work, when I go to work, I do not sit at my desk for eight hours straight, ten hours straight, working nonstop. I take breaks, right? You know, sometimes I just goof around, look on the internet, let me check the sports scores, let me check my email or whatever. You guys probably do the same thing, too. And my boss doesn't mind when I do that. I'm sure he does the same thing, right? Because everyone needs a little bit of break, right? But the problem comes when you take things to the extreme. Like we had this one staff in our office, you know, that liked to do this on her breaks. Like we, in our reception area, we have a TV. And during her break, she would like to go sit in the reception area and watch TV, right? And what was happening was that people were noticing that she took a lot of breaks and she liked to sit in the reception area a lot. And eventually, at one point, the receptionist got annoyed that there's this person sitting in the reception area watching TV all the time and bothering me and talking to me and stuff that the receptionist actually reported this staff member to the boss of the office saying, look, why, why is this person always sitting here watching TV? And, you know, no surprise that this person eventually got fired, right? Why? Because, yeah, it's okay to take a break. No one minds if you go there and watch TV 10 minutes on your break, right? But if you're watching TV all the time and not doing any work, then people get angry, right? The boss isn't happy. Likewise, God gives us free will. You know what God says? You can go and have fun. Oh, you want to go play basketball with your friends. That's fine. Go have fun, right? You do this, uh, go on a trip with your family, have a vacation now and then. What's wrong with that? You're going to have fun. That's okay, right? But what happens if this is all your life, right? This is all you do, right? Oh, all I care about is, you know, doing this other stuff, right? All I care about is you know, playing games, going out, having fun, and not thinking about my responsibilities to God. That's a different story. You see, we do do a lot of stuff in our daily lives, right? Think about our daily life, at least for me, before all this, right? It'd be, you go to work, 
eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, you commute however many hours, then you gotta sleep, what, eight hours, then you have time left to deal with your family for a few hours, and then you gotta wash up and clean up and take care of home stuff, and then what's your time left? Oh, it seems like you have no time for God left, right? But that's not actually true. God should inform us through our whole days. Because we know we have to do all these things, right? We can't say we can't work. We can't take care of our family. But the idea of being a steward is to use that time and maximize it for God's sake. We got to work because we need money for our families. God tells us we got to take care of families. Fine, go work then, right? We got to work and we got to be a testimony at our work, right? Are we being the best employee that we can, right? We don't want to be the bad performance employee and be a bad representative of Jesus. We want to be the employee that represents that we are Christians, right? Elaine, you know, tells me, how, you know, I'm heartened by it, that she, at her work, she met up with some other Christians and they fellowship together sometime, right? That's making use of that time. So there's a lot of things, even in our daily job, that we project, you know, the priority of Christ in our life. We could be on the flip side. I know some people that all they do is work, right? This guy I used to work with, he like wakes up at 4 a.m. every day, works nonstop, seven days a week, and that's all he does, you know? He's at the top of his profession now, right? He's recognized, nationally recognized, number one in his field, right? But that's not what God wants. God doesn't want us to dedicate all our time for that. It's more important, more important that we have him. Him be our guide. Him be our priority. You know, as I reflect on this time, this time, now that we're out of the normal circumstances, right, we get to see a lot more clearly how we use our time and what our time was for, right? Now I don't have to go to work and be in the office. I'm at home. And for me, and like some of you guys out there, we're even more busier now, right? I, I work at home so many hours. I have to take care of my family so many hours. I have to be their homeschool teacher. I have to clean up a lot more before. Like, if you don't want to wash the dishes, oh, I can wait till tomorrow. Now it's like, oh, there's three meals a day. I must wash the dishes every single time. Otherwise, it'll be insane, right? And I have a dishwasher, too. I still have to wash the dishes, even with dishwasher, right? And so what I realize is all this other stuff that I used to do, I have no time for anymore, right? There's no time. I don't watch TV anymore. I can't remember the last time I watched TV. I tried to watch TV with Elaine the other, like a couple days ago. What happened? I fell asleep on the sofa, right? Literally, we woke up in the middle of the night and then all oh, the TV's still on, right? It's like, you start to realize though, all this time that people have spent on, oh, were we really spending our time on that? Was it really worth it? On the flip side, some of you guys have nothing to do now. Maybe you're the Nathan of the world, right? And you hear him say, like, even he, he's bored now. I've seen all the TV I've seen, right? Is it really worth watching more TV, right? And all the other people like, that are working and maybe don't have families, don't have other responsibilities, now you have a lot of free time. But then you can't do the things you normally do, right? There's no more sports for you to follow, right? There's no sports anymore. There's no more things for you to go out and do or whatever. It gives us time to reflect and analyze. Was all this stuff really worth it? All the time that people spend, like, for example, in sports, like, oh, I have to go to the games and watch a four-hour game all the time or whatever and do it, like, every day. I'm going to watch every Giants game, 162 games. Do you really miss it that much? Is our life really that much shorter because we don't have this anymore? Oh, I love doing vacations all the time. This is my only thing that I love, right? Now you can't do a vacation. Do you really miss it? You know, I find that there's a lot of stuff that I don't miss. 
having a chance to reevaluate it. I'm not here to tell you, oh, you shouldn't go on vacation and you shouldn't watch TV and you shouldn't do whatever. That's up to you to judge in your life and your relationship with God. But just to think this, we always say we have no time. Now this is our chance to figure out what of our time is being used wisely and what's not. Folks, I'm seeing I'm forced to focus on the basics and I'm saying, you know what? You know, I see the core things are important. It's important just to take care of my family. It's important to uh, do my job. It's important to praise God. Because that's what we're going to do. You see, you know, we are stewards. And we ought to prioritize His will. Right? What does that mean? It means doing the important stuff you heard us a million times say. And I don't need to dwell on this, right? To say, hey... Now that we're forced to reevaluate our time, are we saying we have time to pray? Are we saying we have time to read our Bible? Right? The time is now, isn't it right? We have to have this urgency to do it. Because who knows how much time we have, like we said. I mean, I think Nathan gave me an advice one time when when he's teaching me about how to be a speaker, right? And I'll end up this, this kind of last story about this. He said this, because, you know, as you know, we have Chinese school people, and they're in and out all the time, right? And he gives, and I hope he gives us, all the speakers the same advice, right? He says this, he says, you know, some of these people in Chinese school sitting in the audience, this could be their only time hearing the word of God, right? They could be gone the next day or whatever, right? And so, you know, they could drop out of Chinese school. They're, you know, they're not dedicated. They're ephemeral, right? So when you give your message to them, Are you giving them your best message, your most exciting message, the message that's going to touch their heart every single time? Because, you know, sometimes when I first started being a speaker, I was, you know, I like to mail it in and be like, oh, I'll do it the night before and just throw it together and then it's done. But he was right. And we see it from evidence. Sometimes there's someone in the audience here today, gone tomorrow. That might be the last message they ever heard about Jesus. In fact, some of you guys who are speakers and the Chinese school people down today, they might not ever come back. Now that Chinese school is closed and we start the new semester, whenever that is, they could be gone forever. That last message you gave them could be the very last word of God they might hear in their entire life. Do we have a responsibility then? Do we have a sense of urgency then to do it? You know, I told you I'm so busy doing all this stuff, yet... You can ask Elaine. She was complaining like Norman. She saw me awake in the middle of the night last night. Like, what are you doing? It's 2 a.m. Why are you still wor- what are you still doing? Awake. I said, I'm working on this message. Why? Because it's important. Because I need to dedicate my time to God. I need to make sure that there's a handout and there's all these things. Right? I can't be lazy just because there's no audience here. Right? I need to make sure I'm spending time serving him, doing his thing. Regardless. I did that urgency. I don't know if any of one of you guys in the audience right now you could catch the coronavirus. I hope you don't, right? And you could be gone by the next time I speak. And this is the last word of God you hear from me. I want to make sure it's the best. I want to make sure that you guys get the best from me. Are we living our life with that same urgency? Are we wasting our opportunity? Are, are we saying, I'm going to read my Bible tomorrow. I'll get to eventually. Or are we saying, I got to do this now. I don't know if this is my last chance. Are we saying, I got to pray now. I have an urgency. I can't waste this opportunity. I can't waste this blessed gift of time God has given me. You know, right now, we can't serve and fellowship together. I'm hoping one of the results of all this virus is that it's going to inspire us for a great revival when we come back. 
that people have missed fellowship so much, that they have missed serving so much, that they're going to be urgent now and say, you know what? I haven't been able to serve for so long. I need to serve now. I need a fellowship now. Now is the time, right? Will that be what we say? Will we be good stewards? Will we be using God's time wisely? Here's the quote to wrap it up. Harry Ironside said this, Time is given to us to use in view of eternity. When we have the eternal view, God's view, God's perspective, it should set our priority in how we use our time. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that teaches us how to use our time wisely. Lord, we ask that you give us wisdom, that you help us when we decide how we use our time, that we try to keep you in mind. We know we've got a lot of you know, regular things to do. Hopefully we honor you while we do all those things, just our regular day life, and also, importantly, make a special effort to do those special things in our life, too. Lord, be with this congregation. Keep us safe, that we have more time. I hope no one gets any virus and gets sick or anything like that, and hopefully this all goes away and we're all healthy coming forward. But, uh, Lord, we just ask that you watch over everyone and help us gather again next week. In Jesus' name we pray.